Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mutsaerts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach, and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen, I interview people that inspire me. From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. Each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? So welcome, friends, to a new episode of Soul Kitchen. I'm talking to my friend Nanneke, who nowadays apparently also is a colleague uh, of mine. Because this summer we'll be co-hosting our first retreat in uh, Portugal. And Nanneke is a... um, how to describe a time and space traveler. She has been on many inner and outer journeys. Uh, she traveled around the world, living in different locations. She has been living in, in ashrams and she works in the, in the, in the world of, uh, of film and also in the world of uh, yoga. So very versatile uh, uh, personality. And um, initially I met Nanneke through a Kula dinner, if I remember correctly. Kula is an initiative that I started in Amsterdam. And then later, she was one of the facilitators of the Tara Academy, Academy for Tantra, Breathwork, and Meditation. So I participated in a few courses and a few retreats that Nanneke has been uh, leading. Um, So Nanneke, how are you doing today? (laughs) I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thanks for having me, (laughs) Yasser. What did you feel when I was introducing you? Yeah, it's actually quite funny to hear somebody else introduce you in that way. You think, oh, wow, yeah, really? This is, is of a, okay. It's an interesting combination, actually, of, of different things. But uh, yeah, it's nice because we, I guess we, we know each other personally as well. So it's actually, um, yeah, I feel actually quite proud when I hear you sum up <laughs> all those things you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's nice to hear from a different person. Yes, I, I would describe you as a... A uh, versatile uh, person. Mm. There's a there's a word. It's called uh, a slashy, and a slashy. I think in Los Angeles there are many slashies. So when you're let's say a cab driver and an actor, or ah, you're, let's say a bookkeeper and a painter. Have you heard about <laughs> Have you heard about that word before? No, no, no. It's the first time. <laughs> so tell me more. You are as I call it a slashy. So you work in the ro- the world of film and the world of uh, yoga how how is that for you why have you chosen that combination um yeah it's a good question actually i I think it's a combination that i've been i've i've had since like 14 or 15 years already and up until now i mean it's it, it has always also been sort of looking for the right balance uh within those two but I've always felt that it's actually very rich to have both both aspects and also in the in the teaching of, of yoga and breathwork and meditation, I've always felt that it was actually quite uh, quite rich to also be so aware of what daily life can be like in a stressful environment and you know just in a, in a completely different field. Um, and I mean, it's, it's also sometimes it's also quite challenging to combine the two. So it's 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 I mean, it's uh, and and and, it, and I think that also has been a journey for me. But 
at the moment I feel that I found a really nice balance between between two things and um yeah so I'm actually it 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 allows for a lot of different aspects of me to get you know different uh, places to to manifest so to say so yeah it works well but you so you found a good balance and um it makes sense because yoga is also about balance um so it it makes sense that you found a balance between different things instead of let's say just doing yoga but how did you enter the path of yoga yes that's a good question i think well the path i think that if i go i was thinking about when when was it actually starting for me so i i guess this path started when I was around 20 years old and I was studying at the film academy at that time. I was in my second year and I was handed a book by uh, Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. And I started reading that book and it was at a time where I was actually really uh, struggling. I was feeling quite, at the time, quite depressed and and um, I don't know, I, I was really kind of struggling a bit with myself. I was moving around a lot and um, I moved ar around a lot also when I was younger and I sort of felt that I wasn't really able to feel at home. I felt quite uh, unsure and unsafe within myself and a lot of insecurities. And, and I was handed that book and somehow reading that book it just it was just it was so fascinating to me and it really appealed to me what what i read and i think it it really supported me also it's also what i hear from a lot of other people as well that when you read that book or any anything that kind of has to do with that spiritual path of advaita that when you're reading it you are kind of able to zoom out a little bit and to become aware of the bigger picture rather mm -hmm. than to get so caught up in you know the personal problems and struggles so it somehow it really grasped me and and i was reading the book like crazy and and uh, it, i was really engaged with it and that kind of sparked i feel that that reading that book in hindsight i feel that it was it was the first moment where some small shift of perception happened where i was really realizing that i wasn't necessarily my thoughts or what I was thinking and um, and so it was quite a it was quite significant what changed within me while I was reading that book and somehow it just really sparked also a lot of interest in eastern philosophy and in in this in this spiritual path and so because I wanted to know more about it I came across a Raja Yoga teacher training, which was one year, which was in Amsterdam. And uh, I, I decided to start that teacher training, combining that with my studies at the film academy. And uh, with Raja Yoga, it's actually very much focused on meditation and the philosophy and um, pranayama as well. So yogic breathing. And it was quite, um, yeah, so that, that's, those are really the most important aspects of it. And uh and I guess, yes, yeah, so I started doing that training and then, well, <laughs> off I went, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, then a lot of trainings followed and uh, I continued with the Hatha yoga teacher training and the yin yoga teacher training. And, um, and meanwhile, I started teaching. Uh, yeah, but that, that, that was really the, uh, the initial spark. And uh, in what year were you reading this book? Oh, that's a good question. I think it was in 2008. 2008. Yeah, or 2007. 
so it changed it changed how you feel life you you were able to kind of zoom out a little bit related to the personal struggles and what happened in your life was there a specific trigger point when you kind of entered that path or was it more a gradual process where you opened up to certain curiosities i think it was more a gradual process <clears throat> i think it was initially it was really initially that book where I think I think ultimately this book really prompted the question, who am I? And the realize this initial realization of, hey, you know, I'm I'm actually not necessarily my thoughts, or I don't have to take my thoughts so seriously, or at least I don't have to immediately take them as the truth. Um, I felt that that was actually, well, that that was just a very deep inquiry, basically that really sparked. An interest, and so gradually, I evolved also in within that path. So I was starting these yoga teacher trainings and learning more about yogic philosophy and Eastern philosophy and Buddhism. But at the same time, I was also really getting interested in this this path of Advaita and and um, uh, also being drawn to certain spiritual teachers. I was reading a lot of books and and listening to a lot of satsangs by, by Ajashanti and by Eckhart Tolle as well, and, and uh, Rupert Spira and uh, Muji. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there was just, and, and it really, um, I don't really know how to explain it. I just, I, I only know that I just felt such an, I, I felt such a calling to, 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 to hear more about it and to read more about it and to just be involved with it. And, uh, I traveled to India quite a couple of times also to be in satsang with, with certain teachers. And um, it just, yeah, it was just so, so rich. Uh, to, to where, where did you stay in, uh, in India? Uh, I, I stayed in a few different places. So my first trip to India was actually traveling through the south, through Kerala. And um, <clears throat> I flew to Bangalore and I traveled south to Madurai and I stayed in the ashram at the, at uh, Tiruvannamalai for some time, the Shivananda ashram. And then I traveled more up north and uh, was in Goa for a bit. And then I went back quite a few times and then I usually stayed either in Rishikesh or I stayed in Rishikesh for quite some time. Uh, but also in, in Goa, I did a, a yin-yang teacher training in, in Goa. And uh, and there was some time when I was quite involved with Ayurveda as well and giving a lot of Ayurvedic massages. And so India is really a good place to to be to uh, you know to 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 um, to study more of that. And um, I did a Pachakarma there as well. To, so this this whole cleansing ritual. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I really fell in love with the country. Also, I mean mm. the nature the food the people i just yeah it's what it's just an incredible place <laughs> I, I love india as well when i was 23 i lived there for four months uh oh wow i spent three months in delhi and then i also traveled to ladakh and goa ah. and uh, i remember the a festival when everyone gets painting on their uh, skin <laughs> uh, and they throw paint to each other yeah, I know you. Yeah. and it's uh, a yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful um, Beautiful culture. So you lived in, you work with some teachers there, and you also mentioned Muji, who is a uh, teacher who has a community in uh, in Portugal. Mm. Um, so can you share a bit about him? And I think you also spent some time there, right? 
Yeah, I spent some time with him in um, in uh, in Rishikesh. He goes to he has a, so he has an ashram in in Portugal called Sahaja, and uh, he this is the, so the place where he is. And then uh, before COVID, at least he would travel to Rishikesh once a year and give satsang there for five or six weeks. Uh, so I was uh, I was there, and actually, two at the time, also two good friends of mine uh, were got got involved in his sangha and were um, also um, filming him. Uh, so so there was one director and one uh, DOP or director of photography who were then uh, who got involved in the in the sangha or the, the the group of of people close to to Muji and were helping with filming his satsangs and his teachings. Uh, and one of them uh, moved back with him to to Sahaja. So then, during that time, I was I, I often well I visited her there and stayed there for some uh, some different moments. It's a very different vibe than than Rishikesh. Um, and um, but but it's a really nice place also because uh, Muji has some Jamaican roots. So uh, his his ashram in Portugal has a lot of um, has has a bit of a uh, Jamaican touch, even though the practices are also quite uh, rooted in in Indian, obviously in in Indian uh, philosophy and tradition. But the uh, the ashram has has quite a nice uh, vibe, I would say. <laughs> mm. So like, can anyone can anyone go or do you need to be accepted or how does it work? Well, it's I think quite a lot has um I haven't actually been since covid and I think also quite a lot changed during covid. So there was quite a big group of people living there and I think during covid it became quite a bit smaller and uh, also to just to make to make sure that because obviously there were less um retreats also being held at that uh, at that time. So I think uh, before COVID, you were able to always, I think, register for like a day and then walk around and visit the ashram. Um, and obviously, if you do the retreats, they they were holding retreats there as well. And I'm actually not sure what the process is like now. I think you do ha- need some kind of application and you can see how you can be there, spend some time there for a day or, or uh, longer. But it's a really nice place to, oh. to spend some time. That's, and you can uh, take calls there in the village as well. Or, yeah. I, uh, I, I hope that I still have 50 years left in this life. So maybe at some point uh, I still have time to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's say this Muji teacher, how would you summarize what you got out, what you learned from him? I mean, the satsang, he, he probably shares a lot of wisdom, but like what's kind of your, your one thing that remained with you? Um, yeah, that's a very good, uh, good question. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, I think the different, there were, there were different teachers who in some form of, or another were all, all on this spiritual path of Advaita. And this, this path is ultimately concerned with realizing the nature of who you are. And uh, and then so and and uh, well as a sort of uh, result of that also realizing what you are not, and um, uh, I would say and it's it's always quite hard right to 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 put words to that but um, I would say that that the the entire practice of Advaita is is concerned with that element so to realize who or what you are in essence beyond 
your, well, beyond any thoughts you may have or feelings you may have or um, ideas you may have or concepts you may have about, you know, about who, who you are or, and not in, in that sense, not even about who you are, but the whole world around you, um, uh, I guess. And, um, and so there was a, well, I would say that during those years, there was really sort of a profound deepening within that. And uh, I think I was quite engaged with that path up until I was, I, I would say about maybe 29 or, or, or 30. And that was actually, and around that time, I was also teaching quite a bit of, of, of yoga and pranayama or yogic breathing and breath work. And when I was about 30 or 31, the, uh, the the conscious connected breath, which is quite a specific type of breath work, uh, came on my path, and and with that also tantra, um, which has been which has been quite a big part of my my path and my practice. I would say these last maybe four four or five years, um, and and somehow now that has really become my my focus, and I I feel that that has also brought a lot. Um, because, because it's just a beautiful, those both, both breathwork and Tantra are both beautiful practices to, to be really embodied and to be, to become very alive within, within your body and, um, within yourself. And I think for me, that was actually very helpful because although this path of Advaita was very, um, uh, was, was in, in a lot of ways, very, uh, deepening, uh, I feel like in hindsight that I also fell into a bit of a trap with which I which I believe is also quite a common trap to fall in initially in this path of Advaita is that um, in hindsight I, I feel that I actually you know that I I was feeling quite um, quite insecure and I actually wasn't so fond of, of who I was as a person and I actually wanted to be somebody else or something else mm -hmm. and so and when you feel when you feel that way about yourself then the path of Advaita is actually quite a um how would you say you know quite a, a sort of an 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 easy path to take in order to sort of be in in order to bypass your person mm -hmm. which is which is everything that you don't really like and you yeah. can and you you really want to focus on uh, what you are beyond your person. So you're really sort of trying to almost dismiss mm -hmm. uh, all your thoughts and all your feelings and all your preferences. And I did that to, to, to such an extent that by the time I was sort of nearing my 30s, I kind of also felt that in some way, it's not, not the entire truth, obviously, but then in some way, I had also disappeared a little bit. You know, my person had become almost a bit ghost-like. Um, mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with Advaita as a path. It was really, it had everything to do with what I did with it. Um, and and this is what I had sort of at some point became a bit aware of that this was happening. And so so in some ways I was losing a little bit of aliveness. And then, so when this conscious connected breathing came onto my path and with that also Tantra, I was really, it, it was just in so many ways, it was actually, um, it, it just helped me so much also to really uh, accept, you know, my person actually, you know, not only accept, but to actually acknowledge uh, 
all these different sides of me and to actually acknowledge, you know, these different thoughts or feelings that you may have around a certain situation, because I guess ultimately we're all so layered, right? I mean, we tend to see things sometimes quite black and white, but if you, if you, if you really um, look at a certain situation, there's so many different aspects within that situation or that, that you can acknowledge, um, you know, so, so many different things or thoughts that you have about a certain situation or feelings you may have and to re to really be able to acknowledge all of that and to be sort of the space so to be this this uh this awareness uh, in a way that that advaita also teaches um to to acknowledge all those different aspects so for me it was actually i'm not too fond of this word healing actually but it, it was quite healing <laughs> to mm -hmm. um to um yeah to to actually get really get into the body and ultimately i feel that also you know the body is really where for me personally the body is really where the magic happens you know within the mind i feel that we can sort of sometimes trick ourselves a little bit but the body is just straightforward the body is the body and it will show it will bring up everything right if you do certain exercises or any tension that you have or emotion that you that you're holding or um yeah the the body will just be the body it has no it has no hidden agenda right it has no nothing that it tries to protect <laughs> <laughs> so actually so for me this you know this tantra and this breath work has just been so it, it's been amazing to to really be way more embodied and to to be aware of, of the aliveness within the body. And, and um, yeah, and so these past years, I've really moved more towards this focus and also working more with, with, uh, with women um, in, in the tantric path, but also, also on the, uh, in terms of hormone yoga and being aware of the pelvic floor and, um, you know, being alive within the belly. And uh, so I feel a lot of, I feel that the journey is now heading a little bit more that way. Which is which is really nice and exciting. <laughs> so yeah. you mentioned that at some point around your thir age thirty, uh, some parts of you disappeared, or you are not yet acknowledging. Um, and with tantra and breathwork, you acknowledge all the parts of you, and you showed up more. Is that also related to uh, acknowledging that you're both a yoga teacher and a film producer and a human being? Or, or is, are you talking about something separately? Um, I mean, it, what I spoke of just now would be something separate. Um, it's more about acknowledging, well, just all these different aspects within within yourself, not so much in how you bring that those out into the world, but just more mm -hmm. about how you can feel about a certain, you know, within one situation, you might be able about, it's more about the inner world. That's definitely true. But I think it does also obviously then reflect on, um, on how you how you are well how you how you show yourself i would say so it, it does it does reflect on how you how you manifest yourself in the outer world know what you mean it's like you're acknowledging all of you and that also results in you showing up more fully to life and to other people and not, not hiding parts of you yeah and um yeah uh, yeah no sorry go ahead no 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 that's i was just i was just saying yes <laughs> yeah. and um you're going to apply all this wisdom uh, this summer because we're going to collaborate on a, on a project 
uh, we're going to host a vision retreat in uh, Aries Hero. Yes. Which is a combination of inner work and more, let's say, vision and, and manifestation in the world. Mm. And um, why do you like to host retreats? Like, what, what's the meaning of it for you? Yeah, so for me personally, I really like to to be of service in such a way that um, that I really I like to guide people to a place within themselves where they can connect on a deeper level with themselves and be more alive, be more aware of um, what brings them joy, you know, or be more aware of their intuition. So I've, so this is, this is really what I see also as um, what I like to bring in my, in my classes to sort of facilitate a space where people can really bring their awareness inward and bring their gaze inward and to become very aware and alive within the body and then basically hold space for intuition or insights to sort of drop in uh, because that's something that I feel that you can't really orchestrate. So you're the only thing that you can really do is, is create the right bedding for, for uh, insights or intuition to sort of drop into your consciousness or your awareness. And I really like to to create that space or to guide people towards that space so that there's more um, so that there's more stillness and more connection with with their with their pelvic floor with their belly with their body um, so that so that it's yeah so that it's like a fruitful ground container or situation inside or to say it's hard to orchestrate in daily life so we around creating a container where where inside can uh, can come hmm. and um, um, will this be your first where let's say the inner work is more connected to also practical action or have you done something like this before? No, this is actually the first time that that I'm that I'm that 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 that's the the combination. I think up until now it's been more focused on either the meditation or the breath work or or, or yoga actually. When I was quite a bit younger, I hosted a few retreats in in France where there was like a combination of yoga and salsa dancing and like this this uh, and archery actually. So this very creative there was a very creative energy happening during that that week. But uh, later on, it became more focused on on either tantra or feminine energy or meditation. But I'm I'm actually very excited to combine the two and to see then what happens because I imagine that that it can create uh, a beautiful creative flow in which you can, it, in which you can also um, reflect and realize certain aspects, right. Of, of, of life and w which direction you want to go and what's really important for you. Um, because yeah, I feel that it always just really helps to take yourself out of your daily life and into another environment to surround yourself with different people. And then those things can really come it's just yeah. it, it's, it can be quite a bit of a challenge when you just continue with, right, with with life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm also yeah. very curious how it will be. I mean, we've never done it before, so it's also a bit of an experiment. Yeah. And um, uh, recently, yeah. I spent one month in Portugal at a co-living. Uh, it's a company called Innate, and they organize one month co-livings around a certain theme, and the theme was breathwork. So we did breathwork every morning, mm. and then the rest of the day you can walk or relax or walk around 
but I liked that I was part of the first group. So the, the founder of the company also said it's it's an experiment. It's the first time we're doing it. But I liked a bit that pioneering spirit. Yeah. So that's also what I like about our upcoming retreat. That even we as hosts, we don't know how it will turn out. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's see. And yeah. um, if someone is listening and they're interested in, in breathwork, yoga, meditation, like where to start and how do you find out uh, which one is for you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, there's th th those those are three quite different aspects that that um, that you mentioned. So, um, if I if you really to, if you if you want to start with yoga, I would um, I would. I would say to start with perhaps hatha yoga or um, just a, a gentle form of yoga where you can kind of get used to the asanas and and the postures uh, in a in an easy way. Um, and for in terms of breath work, well, I mean, I would definitely um, advise people to come to me. No, <laughs> no. Um, um, well, breath work. Yeah, yeah. There's there's also there's so many different routes to to take. I mean, I think conscious connected breath work is um, is something that you can relatively e easily uh, step into. Um, and I also teach pranayama, which is then yogic breathing, which um, which is uh, which is something that really deepens over the the practice of years. Um, and meditation, yeah, I mean, there's so now nowadays there's so many also meditation tools and things that you can do online and and in classes. And I guess it also really depends on on where somebody lives and what they're looking for so yeah so many different a lot of different routes to to take there but i feel that also online there's there's so many um there's so many beautiful teachers and, and practices now to to sort of start and get into it a little bit um yeah There's a wide wide range of um, uh, of options with breathwork. I have a 15 minute uh, breathwork that I found on YouTube. I always like like to do it. I do it in my daily lives. Mm. Um, well, thank you for sharing your wisdom around these um, uh, these topics. I want to switch for a moment to your uh, um, life in the film uh, uh, world. What oh. is something that you're really proud of uh, if you look back at your life in the film world? Like yeah. Kind of cool oh. project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. I like to I like to speak about that. So actually, at the moment, I'm working as head of development at a documentary production company called Scenery, and um, uh, and so I I I went through quite a, a lot of different projects and roles after after graduating. But this has been um, this has been my work for the past two or three years, and we develop. Uh, documentary films and series for um, for streamers and then also for Dutch broadcasters, so both local and internationally. Um, and I think, well, in recent in the recent months, we have quite a few projects that we released that that I'm yeah that I'm very very proud of that we were able to to produce uh, within within the Netherlands with a really 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 good crew and. Um, 
so yeah, I'm I'm thinking which example shall I shall I name? So we had a a Dutch uh, series air on a um, a Dutch broadcaster, Caro and Serve, and the series is called Ruimtschip Aarde, which is with uh, Andre Kuiper, so quite a famous Dutch astronaut, and it was really. <laughs> Beautiful six-part documentary series about um, uh, about the country of, of, of Holland from uh, the ground and from space, and uh, it was very much nature-based. So we had different themes like uh, light and air, and um, and it was a beautiful series, and a lot of people watched it. Um, so so I feel yeah I feel very proud of that of that project. Um, we also released a documentary series called Human Playground on Netflix. Wow, um, which uh, which was uh, which we released it last year in September, which is a series about um, sports in different cultures, uh, which we which was shot all over the world. Um, also, a really really beautiful uh, series, and um, yeah, and we we actually brought out a couple of other big um, productions as well. So it's it's been it was a really good um, really good year, <laughs> a really good time. Well, that's beautiful. Oh, and did you meet, did you meet Andre Kuiper in person? Uh, well, I, I actually I actually met him once, but I wasn't actually so much in touch with him at all. It was more my colleagues. Uh, <laughs> oh. I think for me, I, I introduce you as a time and space traveler, um, but Andre Kuiper is a real space traveler, and I. Yes. Uh, I, I admire space travelers because there's not so many of them. Um, and they must have a different perspective on the world because they're outside. But how was it uh, to meet a, a space traveler in, in, in real life? Because I've never met a space traveler, so I'm curious. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, he has. A, he's very funny as well, and he has a. It's it's nice. He has a lot of obviously like a lot of. Um, uh, he's very zoomed out, you can say, <laughs> because he's obviously he has this 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 uh, huge awareness on on what it's like to be in outer space and to look at the planet as like a, a whole. It's also really inspiring to hear somebody speak about the planet in 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 that way, in in the way that he saw and viewed it. So um, no, it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> mm. So zoomed out because he has a. Higher awareness uh, because he's, he saw the uh, this, the planet from from another perspective, mm. and it's a little bit connected. You mentioned earlier that when you read started reading Eckhart Tolle, you were also zooming mm. out right from your yeah. personal uh, problems. So, do you see a relationship between I don't know reading books about Eckhart Tolle and let's say space traveling? Oh wow, that's a very that's a very creative question. I mean, I guess in a way, in in a way, it's it's um, well, I mean, this aspect of of really being able to see the bigger picture and to 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 align with the bigger picture rather than being and we, I mean, it's very natural, right? And it's very sort of uh, part of being human, I guess, as well. To to every now and then also get very caught up in 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 little things or in our daily life so so um uh but then i feel i mean and that's obviously very personal because other people will have different ways but i feel that it's always when you when you're in that state it can sometimes just be so helpful to to really sort of take a big breath and to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and see like oh, okay and sort of see 
the relativity of, of things that sometimes can sort of just help calm things down a bit. Um, <laughs> I guess in that sense, it's somewhat similar. Yeah? <laughs> I think yeah. it's a very uh, interesting uh, parallel. I never thought about it earlier. Because they say if you travel mm -hmm. in, into space, that you want the planet to be more sustainable. Uh, mm, but yeah. space, space traveling itself is not necessarily sustainable. But I can imagine that if you see... Uh, the planet from like this other perspective that you want to take better care of it. Um, yeah, and it's also I think this this was actually also part of that series that we made is that apparently astronauts have um, often experienced something called the overview effect, okay. which is which is, um, which is basically where you where you see the the whole planet in such a bigger picture and and then sort of you know, hanging around in the universe and mm -hmm. also then being sort of innately uh, aware of, of the, the fragility of that, the vulnerability of that. And to, um, uh, to see also that, you know, the, yeah, that, that there's sort of like an, an ending, a possible ending to that as well. So to, to be very aware of, of the, fragility or the the vulnerability of of our small planet earth in this huge universe yeah. um, you know and to be i mean yeah it's incredible if you think about it it's, it's incredible to be so aware of that uh yeah i, I, I guess see it suddenly it becomes a fragile fragile spinning thing instead of like this huge world yeah 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 i like uh, one of my motivations for this podcast is to uh, interview passionate people so people that, are, that have taken life a bit to extremes. So, I mean, a space traveler is also someone that has taken life to extremes. I've now interviewed two world record holders, uh, the world record holder bird watching and the world record holder slacklining at a high altitude. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. <laughs> 4,000 oh, wow. 4, meters. Um, but if you had to pick, let's say, one world record uh, that you had to, like, strive for or let's say invest time in which one would you uh, pick gosh that question would need some serious thinking <laughs> it's an unexpected question right what what'd you say what it's an it? unexpected question right it's a very unexpected question <laughs> yeah um wow gosh there's so many what 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 would you pick? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I prefer to ask the question. But I, um, um, yeah, what would I pick? Uh, maybe um, interviewing people from the most uh, the most different cultures that, mm. that I've spoken with at least one person from each culture. I see. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> and, and so, just out of curiosity, the the first one that you mentioned, the bird watcher, what, what was what was the what was the record? Uh, so he watched the most birds in one year, so seven thousand birds in one year. He's he's oh, from the wow. Netherlands, actually. Uh, Arjan Dorsas, uh, and he has been a bird watcher since a young age, and now he also promotes uh, wildlife, the relevance of nature protection uh, through his work. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so I'll, I'll give it some thoughts and come back to you, okay? Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's also a good uh, uh, 
skill. So in, yeah. in one of the things I learned in Tantra is that you you don't always have to reply immediately or you don't always have to know. Mm. And I also feel that's a quality maybe that you bring to people that sometimes you can feel into something, right? Instead of like responding, reacting. But is mm. that part of your how you feel life or is it part of the, the traditions that you've learned? Mm. the the first the first uh, thing was is it part of how i view life is that what you yeah, say how you feel life or what you've learned in in yoga and tantra and breath work that you you don't always have to respond immediately to people or you can also pause yeah i feel that 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 is something that i think i've i've yeah learned along the way to sort of take in and uh and maybe perhaps take a moment also to to process or to um to to integrate in a way and i think also that that i think personally also what tantra has has taught me also is that often there isn't there isn't actually so much response needed right so if 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 some somebody wants to share something or if i want to share something it's often also just about simply acknowledging it and bringing it into space and then being with that in with your awareness and you don't really have to i mean sometimes it's called for but very often you don't necessarily have to respond to um to something and i feel actually this is this has been such a big revelation and and now when i when i look at my 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 friends or people close to me or people that i'm intimate with that that if if they are sort of in a way involved in in tantra i feel that this is actually such a blessing when when i can just share something and that somebody else doesn't take it and do something with it right because it's just not necessarily i sorry i just want to share something and it's fine it doesn't have to change it doesn't have to be resolved or you know it doesn't have to um to we don't we don't have to do anything with that i just it's just something that i want to acknowledge and then often it's it's enough to change also the feeling that you have about it uh and i i really like that practice <laughs> I, uh, yeah i'm actually yeah and i i feel that it's also that it really that it's really enough if 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 somebody can really be with you and hear you and be be uh, be present with that with you then that's really enough to um yeah rather than having to say anything about it so sometimes you would just want to share and then someone doesn't need to uh respond uh, we can practice this right here, right now. Uh, so I would like to ask, is there something you would like to share with the listener uh, right now? And they're not here in this physical space, so they cannot respond to <laughs> at this moment. But is there something that you would like to share with the listener? Well, that's a very intimate request. <laughs> um yeah, I find oh. I find that kind of tricky actually because I don't I don't know who the listener is. So you don't know, right? I don't know. So then, uh, yeah, then it feels very different. I could, I guess, I could share something with you, and then people are listening. Okay. You want to share? Do you want to share something with me? <laughs> oh well, I feel like I'm. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm actually already sharing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just chatting away. 
Oh. <laughs> no, no extra that you need to share, right? Hmm, no. Um, no. So in um, in Tantra, there's this practice of sharing where you, let's say, you take a moment to share something with the other person. The other person listens, and sometimes then also the other person shares. It has mm -hmm. been quite powerful for me in my life, my personal relationships, my business relationships. Mm. But why is, is the sharing different from, let's say, the typical communication or dialogue? So why is it different and why is it so powerful? Yeah, I would say that um, I would say that that I that I think that we are just very often quite easily influenced by what other people think or feel or what other people might um, you know facial expressions that other people might display when we share something or um, you know I, I guess also a lot of people maybe without realizing also can uh, you know interrupt or or uh, sort of want to sh want to sh they, they want to share their own uh, opinion or their own thoughts about a certain matter so so I think that in this sort of sharing structure that we both experienced, you can you can really stay true to what 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 comes from you, and somebody is simply there with you and aware with you in, in, and listening to you, but there's not so much any sort of interruption or facial expression or you know, displaying a certain opinion about what, what you're saying. So it can be a little bit more, it can stay a little bit more neutral. And I feel that that helps people to, to really stay true to what they're actually thinking and feeling. Um, yeah. So, so you keep, you keep, the intention is really to share what's alive in you without kind of overthinking how the other responds or, or how it will be for the other person, but more to share your own truth. I think it's a very powerful, uh, powerful exercise. Yeah, me too. I really, I really like it as well. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it can be, yeah, it's just also very relaxing to be, just to be able to really take the time to share something. Also, if you're not, even, even if something is not fully clear to you yet, then also yes. through, through sharing, you can also sometimes gain a bit more clarity. Um, on on it yeah yeah well it's a beautiful uh, beautiful practice mm. and um another topic that i'm interested in with you is uh, your historical uh, geographical movements you, you have lived in a wide variety of uh, places yeah and at some point you wanted to um stand still a little more yeah i don't use the word saddle because the saddle suggests that it's a permanent decision <laughs> Whereas you never know, maybe you go back to geographical movements later. Mm -hmm. But do you want to share a bit more about the geographical movements that you've made, what they meant to you, and why you've decided to stand still a little bit more now? Um, yes, yeah, I'd love to. It's um, well, I was I was born in in Holland, um, but fairly quickly, me, my 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 parents and my brother and I moved to Mozambique in in the southern parts of Africa. And uh, we moved to Maputo, and I, we we lived there, and I went to an international school for quite some some time there. 
and uh yeah it was it was really so yeah gosh it was it was amazing it was incredible to you know when you're so young to be all of a sudden so surrounded by just a completely different world where everybody just looks different and it smells different and the music is different and the food's different and everything is <laughs> everything is different um and at some point we moved to uh south africa and um we moved to quite a little place called uh, uh, White River. It's close to Nelspruit and uh, clo close to uh, Kruger Park as well. And uh, me and my brother went to an, um, a South African boarding school there. Um, and we so we stayed there for some time. And then um, at some point, uh, my parents were living apart in that moment because we had moved for my brother's education and my father had stayed back in, in Mozambique and he came to visit us uh, over the, um, uh, every weekend. And, um, and then at some point, um, my mother quite unexpectedly became uh, pregnant with a third child. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, it was from my dad. Okay. <laughs> from my father. But it was actually the, the reason for them to, um, to decide to move back to the Netherlands because the situation just wasn't so ideal with them living apart and the situation in South Africa not being so safe. So we moved back to... Um, uh, to Holland, where where I then continued with my high school, and um, and then I moved to to Amsterdam to study at the film academy when when I was eighteen. And um, I mean, I I feel that it was um, I feel very grateful actually for 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 that experience. I feel that it's given me so much. Also later on in life, not only in the moment, but also the opportunities that I was that I was able to um, to have um, later on in, in, in my work or, and, and in other situations. And um, uh, my parents both, my, my father worked at a university and my mother worked at a, at a, in, in the garden at an orphanage. Um, and, and I, yeah, it was just, I think also what we earlier, what we spoke about, I mean, obviously I, I, I don't, I don't feel that I have an overview of, <laughs> effect but um i feel that somehow that experience made me uh it formed me in quite a lot of ways and i think like 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 all experiences you know some are very good and positive and pleasant and some are also a bit more challenging so i feel that it formed me in a way that i i have sort of an inherent awareness of how big the world is um and so, and I feel that that helps me sometimes also to to, to be quite grounded, and um, and I feel that I'm also quite adventurous, and uh, I really like to explore, and and um, and uh, to, to yeah to to see, and and I feel quite open to different people and different opinions and different views, and and I yeah it's just been it's always I've always felt it to be a very rich experience. Um, and I feel also at the same time that perhaps because of that experience, the challenge for me has also always been a little bit that because, you know, moving around a lot as a kid, you, you, I feel that also my identity became quite fluent. I was able to adapt very easily. And, you know, when you're young, you just want to make sure that you will survive and that you have friends and you know you just I, I I was just really looking very clearly at how people were interacting and then I would just be able to sort of fit right in and and be safe and have a social group and um so while I I, I did manage that but I, I feel that later on in life it it gave me some 
some challenges also where I was feeling quite lost and, and very unsure of who I was and, and very adaptable and very flexible and um, to, to such an extent that I wasn't really that I wasn't really aware of who, who I was and what my boundaries were and, and um, uh, you know, feeling safe and grounded within myself. So I, I feel that that also sort of sparked my whole um, spiritual and, and, and physical journey as well with, with, with yoga and being more aware of the body. And um, because, yeah, so I feel it, so I, I feel that somehow it, it did, well, I mean, it had, everything had to do with, with other, with the whole thing uh, in a way, or at least like one thing really led to, led to the other thing in a way. Um, but I'm ultimately very, very grateful for um, having that experience. And um, yeah, just, I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was just, it's incredible to, uh, to live there for some time. And well, I mean, you have your, your history with, Africa as well. Yeah, yeah, I like what you said. So this international experience gave you uh, an overview effect. I mean, not exactly uh, the same as Andre Kuiper, but it gave you some sort of overview effect. But it also made you question, like, where do you belong? Uh, yeah. At uh, at some point, and there's a TED talk, and um, it advocates that we should not ask people where are you from, but where do you belong. Because where you're from is kind of less often because it's often like very far in the past. Like, oh, I'm from Australia. Uh, but what matters more, where do you belong? Hmm. Um, and um, so I think that resonated when you were, when you were saying that. Um, yeah. But I, I come back to that in a second. So we were also, I was also interested in your, uh, from your geographical movements to like standing still a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that happened. So, so I think, so during my twenties, I was still quite restless and often on the move. I was traveling a lot and somehow Amsterdam was quite often my, my base and it was where I would come back to and, and work in film to, uh, to earn some money. And then I'd use that money to travel somewhere and, and spend some months, uh, in a different place. And after graduating, I moved to Chile also for, a year where a good friend of mine was living at the time um and i uh, so i stayed there for for a year and then i moved back and so it was all quite um nomadic and and um in a way also i mean very rich as well but also slightly restless and yeah i think at some point also with just um uh you know with with just also getting a little bit older and uh, there was at some point when i was in my early uh 30s that i was able to um uh, to buy a house in amsterdam and um which i thought was uh i mean it was it was a quite quite a a big thing for me because i was a freelancer and it had had a lot of well it it wasn't easy let's put it that way and um um but i was able to 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 have that and i and with with having that place and that house i really kind of felt like yeah that somehow mm, mm, okay, I mean, yeah, it's not not actually correct what i'm saying was, was the initial spark this is something for the behind the scenes for the making of we can cut yeah, this out. for the bloopers <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm, I, it's, it's funny because I was speaking and then I was actually thinking, was the house really actually what, what you know, that would let me there? But I think it was actually also in part, it was also COVID. Um, and it was also, I think, maybe also sometime before COVID that I just kind of started to settle down more and feel more rest within myself. Also because of, I think I, I became more embodied um, and I was just, I was just able to feel much more grounding within myself and, and sort of also very, uh, I would, I would, I would call it like a contentment, you know, I was uh, just feeling like, actually, I don't really need so much. I don't need to, um, I think at some point there was also a, a recognition that, and it, I, I, perhaps it will sound a little bit corny, but, but you know, on the, on this, this spiritual path, I kind of felt like there was so much to explore in my inner world Yeah. that I, I just didn't feel the need to then, you know, I don't know, undertake all these huge um, travels everywhere. And, you know, I think also because of, you know, be, becoming more conscious of, of wanting to fly less and all of that kind of helped to, to settle down more and to, and I still, I think I'm still quite adventurous and I still move about quite, a, quite a bit, but I feel much more um, grounded in uh, also in Holland, because I think also for a long time, I was really wondering whether Holland was sort of the place where I'd want to be. And, you know, always being uh, in France a lot and being in different countries a, a lot and thinking, what, what am I doing in Amsterdam? And yeah. Yeah. So we're in a slightly different place because I'm uh, uh, wandering uh, around. Uh, you're you're, yes. you're grounding, <laughs> but uh, sometimes you're you're still a bit jealous of me, right? So that, that there's still a little bit uh, in you. Now I'm not jealous, but like you're like, oh wow, you can enjoy it too, right? Well, it's 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 funny also because I I I notice that I can. It may sound strange, but I can really enjoy it for you. Like ah. I, I, I see you and I, I, I really feel like, wow, you know, this is, that's such an amazing life that you are leading for you, but it's, it's not something that I am personally at the moment striving for, because I, yeah. if I would be striving for that, I would do it. Yes. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but actually I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very, um, very happy with, I have this little cabin in the forest in the east of Holland where I, I'm, I'm, you know, I stay here all the, the weekends and well the, the just being in nature and and um I, I just i feel very very happy with that situation and uh, but i also see that what you are doing is is perfect for you <laughs> yeah uh that's good so jealousy yeah. is not the right word but you're uh, you're um, happy for me but you're also happy for you that's mm. uh, that's good well the soul kitchen um as part of my quest, I'm searching for recipes for life. Uh, so I invite my guests to share their recipes. And then mm. the listeners, they, each episode, they get, uh, they get like a recipe. Um, you've been on this planet for a few decades now. So you must, you must have um, created some recipes for yourself. What is kind of a recipe for life that you would like to share with the listener? Yeah, so I thought about that a bit. And actually, my current recipe for life would be to find a forest and walk. <laughs> I, oh, um, find a forest? Find a forest and walk. <laughs> yes, this is, uh, I mean, I guess uh, a recipe for life 
uh, is it can change probably from moment to moment and uh, day to day. But um, at the moment, um, I feel that also last year I was going through quite a lot personally and having this this cabin here mm -hmm. and in, in the forest uh, in, in Holland and being able to um, make time to sort of just, you know, put on my shoes whenever I wasn't feeling um, really well and um, just stepping into the forest and just going mm -hmm. um, i feel that for me yeah that's that's basically it uh, <laughs> that's um um that's you know in some in, in some regards you could say that's really all you need or um at least at least i would say that at the moment this is really my my uh, recipe at least for or i i could say a recipe for life in challenging times, perhaps I should add that. Yeah. Then find a forest and walk. <laughs> I like I like that recipe. Uh, walking in nature is amazing. Uh, mm. I walk with, with my aunt uh, once in a while. We're walking the peat pot. Yes, uh, this path in oh, the Netherlands yeah. from out. So once in a while, we walk in nature. It's really yeah. liberating. My my number of worries reduces immediately uh, when I when I walk in nature. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, that recipe. Well, what is left uh, for us to uh, uh, to explore? We touched upon uh, different themes, right? The breathwork, the yoga, the meditation, time and space yeah. traveling, the film industry, your recipe for life. I think we touched upon many, many topics. Um, is there something else uh, you would like to share uh, with people listening? No, I think we've 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 covered we've covered all our topics. I think we covered everything, right? So yeah, um, yeah. Uh. well, that's um, that's amazing. And if people want to meet you in real life, of course, they can come to Portugal this summer. And uh, do you have any yes. other exciting uh, upcoming activities that you would like to share? <laughs> so, if people like to connect with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, so I teach in, in Amsterdam every Wednesday night at the New Yoga School. I have a class which centers around uh, the conscious connected breath. And every now and then I also host uh, breathing circles or um, other events or retreats. And uh, those I always post on my website, which is uh, breathbase.nl. Um, yeah, so people can find me there. Oh, Thank you, Nanika, for sharing your wisdom. And thanks, people, for uh, listening. See you soon you. Uh, on the next episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Jasper.